This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Bart Walker. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. This morning, we are focusing on Rutherford County. And if you have a question dealing with Rutherford County, give us a shout, 615-893-1450, 615-893-1450. You have the attention of our county mayor with us, Joe Cars, Mike side, uh, fresh from uh, tackling some bees this morning. Well, not getting stung. I, I, uh, we, <laughs> need to have, we need to have a little... Um, a public service public announcement, service, okay. if it's, it's okay, Bart. Sure, so okay. you're going through your birthday list yeah. in your shop, uh, shop and rock, or what, what's it? Uh, shop and rock. That sounds good. I like that. But no, what is shop you, and swap? Shop and swap. I'm old this morning. <laughs> I, I got. I got to get more coffee. My mic's not working, or my headset's not working over here. What there the, we go. Okay. I got a little short. Joanna Medlin. No, you don't look any shorter. Uh, thank you. Joanna Medlin's birthday was Monday. Now she's for the, the the tea lady. Yeah, she, not she's not. She is JoJo's fruit tea at the Slick Pig. That's so, right. So you're going through the birthdays. Jojo, uh, Joanna Medlin wasn't mentioned, and so then you talk about how great Slick Pig is. And by the way, I got a full rack of ribs with Joe Junior oh, Friday night, man. and I took half the rack home. So Joe, Joe and I, Joe Junior and I ate at the Pig, and of course it's lights out, and it's the atmosphere is great, the food's great. JoJo's tea's great. JoJo has a birthday on Monday. Is it this Monday or no? Last it was last two days ago. Okay, so we missed. So that. it would be. I would be remiss as the mayor if I didn't recognize Joanna Medla on her birthday. Joanna, Joanna Medla of jo, uh, JoJo's her. fruit tea fame. Everybody knows Joanna. Yes, they do. And if you don't, it's your loss. That's right. A great person. <laughs> Truly. Well, I wouldn't go. No, wait a minute. I wouldn't say that. Now, well, hold I on. Would. A second. I think she is. <laughs> But people, uh, they, they need to head over to Slick Pig. They do, and have her fruit tea. Anyway, so just public service announcement for Joanna Medlin. Happy birthday, Joanna. Our number is 615-893-1450. And if you have a question dealing with uh, Rutherford County, give us a call, 615-893-1450. Here's a question. Uh, we hear so much about people illegally crossing the border and entering the United States. There's also a lot of conversation about how refugees are bussed across the nation. Are we seeing that into Rutherford County? Oh, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, now, boy, where do I start? Um, so as the, your listeners probably know, <clears throat> when I was in the Tennessee General Assembly for six years, from 2008 through 2014, I wrote, sponsored and passed uh, by the time I left um, the nation's strongest state-level illegal immigration laws. And I'm really proud of that. We were the first state as a, as a result of a bill that I authored and, um, and sponsored. We were the first state in the country to, uh, say, uh, to outlaw sanctuary cities, to prohibit sanctuary cities. And of course, uh, wrote and passed the E-Verify law and another, um, another uh, many other laws uh, I'm not sure what has happened since 2014, um, but I think we have a significant uh, state and federal enforcement problem, and that is illustrated by the fact that Dr. Sullivan, Rutherford County School Superintendent, informed me, I don't know, maybe a month ago, that 
maybe a little less, that in 2023, from January 2023 to the end of the year, December, Rutherford County had 1,850 new students. We're almost at 52,000 public school students in Rutherford County. That's not counting the 10,000 students in the Murfreesboro system. But of those 1,850 new students, 700 of those students, Bart, are ESL, or English Second Language. And I can tell you that there has been a significant uptick in the illegal immigrant population in our community. Oh, you I, say illegal. So yeah. these are not legal well, people. Well, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is is that we've got a significant uptick in ESL second language where they don't know English. And so we cannot check the status of a child, obviously, to determine if they're here legally or illegal. illegally. The Supreme Court has said we have an obligation to instruct them in our public school system regardless, uh, which is unfortunate. But nonetheless, you can make the correlation that an uptick in illegal immigrants in our country are eventually going to find a way to our community. I think the Department of Homeland Security recently said that they released 300,000 illegal immigrants into the United States uh, in um, December. And that's a record number. Now, that's the ones they released into the United States, not the ones who got, got through into the United States that were undetected or detained. So we and they're a, making we their a, way a, into we, Rutherford the problem, County. The problem is absolutely coming to Rutherford County and Middle Tennessee. So is this part of the rapid growth that we're seeing? Is that part of it? Oh, or? I'm sure it is. I mean, when you increase your school ro- school school enrollment by 1,850 stu- students and 700 of those students are ESL, you can assure yourself you've got a you got a significant problem on both fronts. And this next question, uh, which we have in on a text form, uh, follows right along with that with Rutherford County experiencing what they're saying is a 21% increase in population between 2010 and 2017. Uh, That's almost three times faster than the state itself as a whole, three times faster than the whole state of Tennessee. Uh, What is this doing to our community and what is the county doing to keep up with it? What's changing the complexion of this community? Um, We're now... Uh, over 375,000 residents within the county. Um, if we're not the fourth largest county in the state, we're pert near, as we say in Las Casas. Uh, it's, but it's not the number of people, and it's not even growth, Bart. I think it's the statistic that you talk about. It's the rapid growth. It's the rate of growth. We grow, uh, in, according to the comptroller's office, and I've shared these statistics before, between 2020 and 2022, and remember 2020 was the last federal census, but uh, the Comptroller's Office monitors uh, our growth. And between those, in those two years, uh, Rutherford County was by far and away the fastest growing county in the state. We grew by between 9,000 and 10,000 new residents every year. Uh, that was a 3.7% increase in the population growth year over year of our public schools and it just puts an incredible strain on the infrastructure that's required to service those new residents because you all you have to do is um, 
drive, try to drive across town, Murfreesboro, or try to drive in Smyrna or Laverne, and it doesn't matter what time of day, uh, you're, you're in traffic. And our roads can't take it. Uh, we don't have any more room in our schools. Um, it strains EMS, emergency medical services. We're required to have about a seven-minute response time. If, you can't, if you're stuck in traffic, you can't get a 10- or 15-minute response time. And that's a life. That, that's somebody's life that's at risk. Uh, fire, all these things. So it's putting a strain on our county, not because of the growth. If we were growing at 1% or less, like Hamilton County, we could manage it, but it's this three and a half, four percent growth that is year over year that is straining our infrastructure. Let me ask you this, because this has been this is not new. No, this has been going on for several years. Yes, uh, that's all part of our infrastructure. People are saying, "Well, why don't you keep up with the need and build your infrastructure ahead of time? Don't wait until it's a crisis." Well, I think it, that's a great idea. By the way. <laughs> I'm, put me down. Put me in that category. Okay. Give me well, that crystal ball. When, when when the state watches, and and you say the comptroller is watching all of this and mm-hmm. is presenting this information, uh, why don't they come up with some help? I mean, th- that's a big job. The state is great at helping you identify the problem, but when we went and asked for assistance to deal with the problem that they in part in large part created then and then they say no as an example you know we created the state is constantly recruiting jobs to our state which i'm all for but those jobs bring people those people require housing those housing have kids those kids need public education We've got to improve our roads to get to and from the public education. Those people need fire and EMS. So the state is really good about attracting, along with the local community, the growth. And I'm all for that. I, I do believe we need to grow. But we're, but they don't give us the tools um, that help us manage that growth. And that's the biggest issue I have right now with what we're dealing with here in Rutherford County is we're growing Everybody likes growth to one extent or another. We need to manage that growth, but BART, it's got to pay for itself. And the state right now is reluctant to help us uh, find ways to pay for it or even give the county the tools to pay for it. Now, you went before the General Assembly last year, the last Mm -hmm. term of the General Assembly, uh, asking for some ability to put some fee whatever you call it, right. whether it's an impact fee, taxes, whatever, right. uh, on new construction that is being built to house people. Sure. So what we what, wa- happened? what we wanted to do last year and what we're doing again this year, and we're making, and we're making progress. Why are you doing it again this year? Because we didn't get it done last year, oh, okay. and I don't quit. Uh, time and pressure, Bart. Time and pressure. So I'm not going away. Uh, well, maybe in two and a half years I may go away. <laughs> <laughs> but but for the next two and a half years, the county is stuck with me, I'm afraid. Uh, but for the next, you know, for however long the voters want me to be here, I'm going to make sure we do the right thing. And And I will say this, sometimes the hard thing and the right thing are the same thing. And this is a hard thing, but it's the right thing because we got to have growth pay for itself. And so... 
when the hard thing and the right thing are the same thing, then you know you can proceed. And so that's what we're going to do. So we're continuing to fight for the same authority for Rutherford County that already exists for Murfreesboro, Smyrna, and Laverne. We're not asking for any other authority that's not been granted to them we shouldn't also receive. So Murfreesboro, Smyrna, and Laverne, and even Eagleville, even they don't have it, they can, they can institute impact fees or development taxes to pay for growth. All worse, Rutherford County is saying, we want the same authority, no more, no less, than what the General Assembly has already granted to those cities. Here's a question, and I'm sort of surprised <coughs> at this one. I had not seen these numbers, uh, but obviously uh, the listeners have, they're noticing these things. Maybe it's impacting them. They're saying that uh, data shows that the median income for Rutherford County is $78,291, and they say that's just slightly more than Loudoun or Cheatham counties, slightly more, but it costs probably a lot more yeah. to live here than in Loudoun or Cheatham counties, and they say that puts about 6% of the population here in this county at the poverty level. What can the county do to so help that? I, I would like to really dive into that statistic because I, too, have seen that statistic. What Rutherford County has... So you've that, heard that before. Yes, what Rutherford County has that may uh, illustrate the power of that statistic that no other community has is we have Middle Tennessee State University. So we have an incredibly large number of young adults who have left or who are in the process of getting their degree and entering the workforce. And it's doubtful that they're entering the workforce at that $75,000, median level. So and so what we have found, too, is that MTSU is an incredibly powerful economic engine for the growth of this county. Because I've asked the question, why is Rutherford County growing and has grown for years so much quicker than surrounding counties in Middle Tennessee? I get that, you know, other counties are growing like we're growing, but our growth has been exponential for a much longer time. And it was it was told to me that 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 the difference is MTSU. MTSU attracts young people to come get an education here, and then a lot of them stay. And establish their families here and so a young married couple um, doesn't have the income yet of a older established community and I think that is what you're seeing it reflected in some of these statistics okay. not not completely but certainly in part MTSU is a very powerful economic force in Rutherford County in Middle Tennessee now that you mentioned that, Mayor McFarland has been on the radio before, and he said that's how he got here. Oh, that's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> and I, I guess... I remember him saying it, because he's from Grundy County. Yeah. And that happens... That I, I can tell you, you can run into anybody on the street. They were attracted by MTSU, and they stayed. They, they loved the community, and they found work, they got married, they had kids, and they stayed. And we're happy that they did. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, we're happy. I, I think it's... I think the relationship that the county and middle tennessee state and the cities have is an excellent relationship and it has great benefits for everybody uh in keeping along that same issue but this one uh deals with the health issues uh in keeping with that thought uh what are some of the health issues uh they say especially they're very high among people with color 
And what is the county health department doing to change this? The county health department and the state are basically in the same facility. And I can tell you, they that department over there, more probably more than any other, reaches out to minority communities and those who are unaware of the services that they provide. The county health department, state health department, um, do a fantastic job. We have offices in Murfreesboro and in Smyrna. And um, obviously, we can always do a better job in outreach and educating and informing as to the services. But Byron Gumby, he's the director over there. He does a fantastic job on behalf of both the state and the county and making sure that they're constantly reaching out and providing those services, but not just providing them, but make sure the public knows that those services are available. Our county mayor, Joe Carr, is our guest this morning. The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. WTNS, AM, FM, and online. Good morning. Still remains heavy. Right now, 24 coming in from Rutherford County, Murfreesboro, up through the Hickory Hollow area. It's trying to move a little bit better on 40 East to Kingston Springs. We had a series of accidents out there a little bit earlier, slowing down that traffic that's coming in behind it there. And from Dixon County through Kingston Springs on 40 eastbound, it's still a little bit sluggish at times. 65 south over here at uh, Trinity Lane, working your way down from the north. 24-7 reliable crane and rigging services in Middle Tennessee. It's Tomahawk Crane and Rigging. They're online. TomahawkCrane.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Through midday today, some lingering cloud cover, gradually clearing skies into the afternoon, highs up to 47. For tonight, clear skies in the mid-20s. I'm meteorologist Michael Carroll, News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 39. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. If you want to talk sports, you want to talk local. You want to talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Tim Tackett. It's all sports talk. Weekdays at 5 on WGNS. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. This is Amanda at Animal City, inviting your family to come shop with my family here at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. We have a variety of toys to offer the necessary enrichment for almost any type of pet. Whether you're looking for a climbing tower for your ornamental shrimp, something to keep your hedgehog happy, or a kitty condo, you can find it here at Animal City. We carry products to make your life with pets easier. Come check them out at Animal City. Our Rutherford County Mayor Joe Carr is with us this morning. We had... uh, Zane Cantrell on yesterday. Oh Lord! From the beekeepers. Yeah, that's right. He's a he's a, he's a beekeeping buddy. He yeah. is. And uh, Zane knows more about beekeeping than I ever thought about knowing. Just to be honest with you. Now, when because you, you're a beekeeper. <laughs> now, I'm a new beekeeper. Zane is like 
like he's like dates back to Methuselah in beekeeping. Just so you know, he knows some of the original. He knows bees. some of the. He knows the original bees. That's <laughs> he, he's. I I think Zane knows the bees that came off the ark. Did, oh wow! <laughs> he may have them in his hive. No, Zane. Uh, kidding. All kidding aside, Zane, he knows what he's he doing. Is, he now he knows what he's doing. I mean, he is so patient with people and teaching them. What a tremendous resource to our community. When do bees start making their honey? Um, that, isn't it pretty soon? Uh, well, well, I've obviously wait till the so flowers the, where, Just if you're interested in knowing this, right now the hive is probably for the last 30 days has been in an adornment stage, which is mm-hmm. a great time to treat for mites. Uh, that is, varroa mite is the is single biggest issue uh, with the health of your hives. I've still I've got 20 hives. All my hives look like they made it through the extreme cold weather, which is great, which means they their mite counts were low and they had plenty of honey stores, which is always a good thing. Uh, they will start, the queen is going to start laying pretty quick if she hasn't already started laying. And so the honeybees are now looking for pollen. The pollen is the protein and then the nectar is the carbohydrate that they feed and nurture young bees and the larvae. And so now they're starting to build the hive. Once the hive is built up, the honey, the nectar flow starts about middle, mid-April and goes to about mid-June into June, depending on the weather. So uh, pretty soon we'll start seeing new honey. That's right. All and, the way yeah, Oh, yeah. And so in April and May, you're going to start seeing a lot of hives swarm or split. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's a healthy thing. You don't as a beekeeper, you don't want it if you can help it. But if you find it, you can capture that swarm yeah. and establish a new hive. Here's a question that just came in. This one's uh, with the cost of rent. This uh, person says, "I'm I'm just control. I'm just really having a, a hard time paying my rent. It's uh, it's everybody says it should be no more than thirty percent of your income. Well, they said." Tell that to whoever's charging the rent. Oh yeah. Well, uh, it's it, it's a, it's a, and to your caller there, they're absolutely right. But it's an issue of supply and demand. Housing, whether it's renting or owning, is a matter of supply and demand. And the fact of the matter is, Bart, the demand for housing in this county exceeds its supply. So the realtors and the home builders, they're business people. They're trying to get as much as they can for the home they're either selling or they have available to rent because they're trying to make a profit. And so the whole affordable housing argument is based entirely on the ability of supply as it relates to demand. And so that's the issue. And unfortunately for Rutherford County, our three and a half, four percent growth demonstrates a, a, a demand to live in this community. And the realtors and the home builders are just trying to are just making a profit off that demand. I get it. I understand. I don't fault them. Things are a great idea, but basically it puts a bullet to the head of the idea of affordable housing existing because it's it just doesn't exist much unless you're talking about old older homes. So the dream of home ownership is getting more difficult well, every year. Well, it, the the dream of home ownership is getting more challenging, but it's still there. Um, you know, wages have gone up, so uh, prices go up, prices go up, so wages go up. So we have this inflation effect, and then couple the inflation with the demand, we have we have a challenge in Rutherford County in providing affordable housing because of that market. And 
I remember, and we can sort of touch in on this because this might help that person with trying to find a solution or be aware of what's causing it. Uh, A few shows back, I think we had a listener ask about uh, the fact that so many homes are being purchased by businesses. And I think seems like the number was around 10% of the homes. Yes. Is that still true? Well, that I don't know. I know in August of 2022, uh, our property assessor wrote an article for Sam Stockard in the Tennessee Lookout. And he was talking about in that article that he and Dr. Chilton had done some research on REITs, that is um, Real Estate Investment Trust. And it was the assessment of the property assessor and Dr. Chilton uh, that um, 10% of the homes, single family homes in Rutherford County were owned by REITs. And a REIT is a real estate investment trust and there are commercial REITs and there are residential REITs and they're designed to make a profit. And because they're designed to make a profit uh, as, a, as, a, as a group of LLCs or corporations, they are, um, inco- that's income producing property just like a, an apartment complex. An apartment complex is a, a, a residential housing unit designed to generate a profit. The owner does not live in those homes or those apartments. And so, therefore, the state says you should assess those apartments at the commercial rate because they're income producing. And so the argument uh, uh, our pro- assessor was making in 2022 is that same standard should be applied to the REITs. So we don't do that? No. We don't charge? No. But the state says you should. The state says, this, this Tennessee State Supreme Court said you should. So why are we not doing that? I don't have the answer to that. Whose decision is it? Uh, the property assessors. The property assessor ostensibly says it violates the Constitution because a single family home and a single residence. However, uh, the state Supreme Court as a result of ruling on a lower court ruling, Snow v. Memphis, and also Castlewood v. Anderson has determined that income-producing property is the determining factor in whether or not um, property should be assessed at the 40% rate or the 25% rate. That that decision, quite honestly, probably uh, needs to be heard in the courts again to provide clarification um, because I understand a little bit about the ambiguity there. Uh, although, if the court said in Snow v. Memphis that all income-producing property should be assessed at the 40% rate, that's what the court said. Let me ask you this. If, if that was done and that uh, amount was taxed to those businesses, would you have a noticeable increase in collections, maybe enough to make up some of the problems that you're seeing. Using using the assessors using the assessors' data of ten percent of a hundred and five there are hundred five thousand single family homes in Rutherford County, according to the assessor's office. If ten percent of those homes, according to this article he wrote in 2022, are REITs, now again, not everybody who's renting property is a REIT. We're just talking REITs, and this is according to his article. A corporation as opposed to an individual owning a house. Exactly. And renting it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Just the REITs. Then we're looking at somewhere around uh, $8 to $12 million in reoccurring property tax revenue. $8 to $12 million a year? Yes, sir. Uh, What kind of uh, return, if, if if the General Assembly 
gives you the request that you've made, what kind of return would you get from that? How much? Are, are we talking about the impact fees? The impact fees. <clears throat> we were probably looking at around like $10 million, plus or minus. So this REIT money would give you the same money? Potentially. So either way, you come up with the same. Right. But just so you know, Dr. Sullivan, let's back up for a second, because uh, we're kind of sliding off in one direction. I want to I want to understand the issue. The issue is, according to Dr. Sullivan and the school board, in the next three to four years, five years, we're going to have to state the county's going to have to come up with eight hundred million dollars in school bond. That's eight hundred million dollars in school bond debt. <clears throat> that eight hundred million dollars is essentially about $40 million in reoccurring revenue that we've got to find. For every $100 million the county borrows to build a school, it requires $7.5 million of service debt, reoccurring revenue to service the debt every year for the next 20 years. So if you have $800 million, so 8 times 7.5, there's your number 40. So some of the school officials had approved... Uh, the voucher schools saying that that might help them a bit by reducing the number of students uh, in the growing years ahead. It, it, it may, and and we would like to think that it would, and I'm hopeful that it is, but it is a small piece of the overall solution. That well, I'm, I'm also wondering if the vouchers do help, somebody still has to pay for those schools too. That's correct, but those schools are funded privately so those are those are through a private entity not through the uh public school bond geo general obligation bonds which is the issue so the county issues a general obligation bond in other words it goes and borrows the money to build the capital project called a high school now as we see anytime we have an open show like this where you can just call in with any questions the topics will radically move from one side to the other. They do, and I have got no idea what you're going to ask me next, just so you know. So I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, on, just... I'm on pins and needles over here, Bart, because we are all over the place this morning. Uh, this was a, a friend's <laughs> husband passed away and was cremated. He died alone, and an autopsy was required. The facility in Nashville was so backed up. Oh, Lord. Oh, we, Lord. We, couldn't, uh, we couldn't have a, a funeral. This is a disaster in the making. Go ahead. And, and they said, uh, would the forensic center that you've talked about reduce that problem? And if it would, why don't we see it? The answer is absolutely it would eliminate that problem. And I hear this over and over again. The problem is so bad in Nashville that the biggest challenge we have is we're required by statute if they're if law enforcement believes that a death is questionable, whether it's a homicide or a suicide, an uh, uh, autopsy is required. Typically, you do one autopsy per 1,000 residents. So we're doing about 375 autopsies a year. The, the problem is forensic. there are only five forensic centers in the state that do autopsies, Memphis, Nashville, Chattanooga, Knoxville, and Johnson City. And we haven't built a new forensic center in tw- over 20 years. So what I'm advocating is Rutherford County, because of its uh, growth and um, 
and because of its the just the the number sheer number of autopsies that we do on an annual basis and the fact that forensic medical in Nashville the quality control there is less uh, than it should be uh, who runs that one it's it, it's privately owned believe it or not it's the only privately owned uh, for, uh, forensic center in the state the others are public the problem is we have a contract with forensic medical to send our autopsies to Nashville we found out that Memphis also has a forensic center they serve as 12 counties they recently sent a letter to nine of those counties saying we can no longer perform your autopsies in Shelby County you're gonna have to take all your autopsies to Nashville now so Nashville forensic center which one center one center they before Shelby County issued that letter to those nine counties. Nashville Forensic Center was working with 53 different counties, over half the state. They now are going to be taking autopsies from 62 counties. And all it takes is Forensic Medical to send Rutherford County a notice saying, we can no longer take except your autopsies. You're sending too many. And literally, Rutherford County's got no place to go. Literally. We can't send them to Chattanooga. We can't send them to Knoxville. We can't send them to Johnson City. We can't send them anywhere. We'd be we up the a, creek. We, we have a we have we are sitting on the cusp of a very serious health crisis. And Why I, do we have to wait until it happens? I don't know. See, you're just what you're trying to do, Bart, is you're trying to get me angry for the listeners so we can say, "See, I told you it was entertaining." But I have no idea why do we have to wait for a crisis because I'm telling you that that statement right there by that listener absolutely is telling us this system is stressed. Forensic medical in Nashville cannot accept any more counties, and yet they just took on nine more. And the quality control up there is just not sufficient. And we need to be self-sufficient in this regard. We really do. Well, you see some of these horrendous crashes on the interstate and if there was a major one that happened in this area we'd we'd really have a problem we would have a major if we had a catastrophic event we are not prepared at this level for a catastrophic event that would even include a tornado oh yeah absolutely a mass casualty event is what i'm talking about whether it could be an airplane crash it could be a train derailment it could be any a number of things could be a terrorist attack it could be any a number of things when it comes to this piece we are not prepared rutherford county doesn't even have a morgue we haven't we don't even have a morgue so i mean there's a county of 370 or eighty thousand people with no morgue yes sir we don't have a morgue where should that be well t- the the uh, i mean the, if this, on the, the tv this, shows they're in the police departments w- that should well aren't they th- well i don't think so it's they, hard it, to it, tell it, a morgue should be in the same vicinity of do the we have an place. ncis office a what no <laughs> oh no i see what you're talking about no <laughs> that's where the morgue is yeah. <laughs> no, 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 we don't. But you know what? NCIS office is not unlike a forensic medical office. They do forensic medical detective work. They are literally detectives because remember, they're investigating a suspicious death, right? So that suspicious investigation includes an autopsy. And so you have to have a place to store the body uh, during the autopsy because there may be evidence uh, before you release the body. Uh, to the family so and we're just we just don't have those facilities and or that ability and the county the fourth largest county in the state needs to be self-sufficient in this regard because we are just on a nice doesn't even sound like the others are 
I'm sorry? That does not sound like the other counties are either. Well, like Shelby County, Davidson County? Well, Davidson County is going to take care of itself. Davidson County is going to take care of Davidson and Williamson first because the board of directors at Forensic Medical is dominated by people from those two counties. So Forensic Medical is going to take care of Davidson County first, then Williamson, and then all the other counties. And so if they get in a situation where they can't treat the number of bodies that they're required to treat, then somebody's going to get booted to the curb. And I suspect Rutherford County may be on that short list. And is that what's happening in Shelby County? So many uh, shootings and things of that sort? No, what happened is they had, you're required by law that a forensic pathologist, that's the the doctor who does the autopsy, can only treat, can only do 250 autopsies a year. There's a limit at how many autopsies that pathologist can perform for the medical center. And they lost a forensic pathologist. So they had to find room to remove 250 cases a year because they lost that pathologist. So they're up the creek also. Yes, sir. If we really got focused on doing this. I am focused on doing this. Okay. Last time you told us you had a location. Weekly Lane and Smyrna. I am am dialed in on this. I just, the community desperately needs our county commission to understand the need and the urgency of a forensic center. It, we we are working with Klein and Associates to uh, design and engineer a forensic center. They've already got the contract. They're actually designing it. The location is would be up on Weekly Lane. I am going to ask the county commission in the budget year 24-25 for the funding to build this forensic center. This is absolutely the greatest need we have uh, left undone uh, for the county. When did we start this conversation about food? Forensic medical no, center. We, start, we started about food at the very, very no, beginning. No, no, I mean, at the top of the hour. When, was when did we start part. talking about <laughs> forensic medical? Was it uh, two years ago, three years ago? Oh, I so, mean, we've talked about oh, it for a good while. Well, Mayor Mayor Burgess was trying to tackle this problem. Mayor Ketchin have tried to tackle this problem. Why it, are we still talking? I, Bart, that is the $64,000 question. But I'm going to propose a 15,000-square-foot facility not to exceed $15 million. The county has the money to do it, and without unnecessarily harming our budget, without any negative impact to the budget, and I hope the county commission agrees with me and we can move forward in 24-25 for We'll for be right back. We have more questions, and the county mayor is ready to answer them. Stay with us. Listen each weekday morning at 9 o'clock for the roundtable here on News Radio WGNS. Interesting hosts and guests with the news, views, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. Adam's Place was a very, very good thing for us to do at our ages or earlier because I would have been more able to do a lot of the things that are here for us to help us keep feeling younger. I saw this young lady with her father, and she said, yeah, I'm trying to convince my dad that it's better to move in five years earlier than five minutes too late. I'm Terry Deal. Call me from about Adam's place. Phone 615-904-9111. Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. 
Good Neighbor Talk covers issues you won't hear anywhere else. They're local issues. WTNS, AM, AM. FM, FM, online. Welcome back. Our final segment. So the mayor is uh, one of your questions. He's saying, don't be bashful. I did not say that. Uh, Bart <laughs> made that part up. Uh, I, I implore you to be bashful. <laughs> I don't want any more questions. <laughs> please, please be bashful. <laughs> no, we're good. I, I, I enjoy uh, the questions. I really do. 615-893-1450. Don't always know the answer, Bart, but I'm sure between the two of us, we can make something up. We right? can create we can the answer. Absolutely. Uh, here is a, this is a difficult one. Uh-oh. This was in the news recently, and I see where this person's coming from. Uh, they're saying that uh, they heard on the news that the county has paid a $100,000 settlement to a Wilson County woman who was forced to remove her head dress yes. uh, for a mug shot. Yep. Would we be shocked to know the amount of money that the county pays in lawsuits and settlements? They're thinking back to the Robert Arnold era. So I will tell you this. There were three things when I came into office that I told myself that I wanted to do. And I didn't make this public, but this is an excellent this is an excellent foray to that question. I wanted to there had been a history of lawsuits on the part of the county, whether it was People getting dismissed or fired from the job improperly, sexual harassment, discrimination. There has been, since I've been in office, and I'm really proud of this, there has been a precipitous drop, not only in the number of lawsuits filed, but in the financial exposure the county's had to those lawsuits that were filed. The fact of the matter is we live in a litigious society. People are looking for an excuse to sue. You, all you have to do is turn on the TV and you see an attorney advertising their services, uh, whether you've been hit by a truck or whether you've fallen down steps. You know, it's, it's just the environment we're in. And thanks to Sonia uh, uh, Stevenson, uh, HR director, thanks to Eric Hennessy, my chief of staff, thanks to Nick Christensen, the county attorney, Thanks to Ed Elam, uh, the risk management director. This county has done a really good job in the last year and a half in just the sheer number of lawsuits that are being filed against the county. Um, The flip side of that, the good side of that additionally is that somebody asked me the other day, Bart, said, what's the one thing you're most proud of since you've been mayor? And it's that since I've been mayor, with the exception of hiring, replacing the deputy uh, mayor to uh, chief of staff, I've not asked for the termination or accepted the resignation of a single director or assistant director for county services. Not one. And I'm really proud of that because the team that I ca- that I inherited is a phenomenal team of people who love this community. They work extraordinarily hard. And all they needed, like everybody needs, they just needed vision. And I've been blessed to be able to provide that with to them. And and that's why you're not seeing the lawsuits that we used to see. Just the sheer numbers gone down. So I'm real proud of that. We got work to do, but I'm pr- very proud of that. Good morning. You're on WGNS with our county mayor. Hey, Joe. This is Ed Phillips Senior. You remember me? I do remember you, Ed Phillips Senior. How are you doing, hey. brother? Hey, I saw you one day. I hollered at you out. Oh. In the court, you coming out of the courthouse, I ride my bike around. Oh, okay. Sorry, I missed you. That was me. Well, you looked up like, who hollering at me? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, 
I appreciate your uh, what you're doing, your job, and everything. Uh, I'm 70 years old. I retired 2015, the health department, you know. Yep. And my property taxes went up. I know you've heard this 100 million times. It went up 263 dollars for the year. And I've been here. I've been here all my life. Me and Joe, hey, uh, Bart, me and Joe graduated MPSU in 81. Wow, okay. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, we're right. Hey, I got a, you get one of those uh, alumni things that has in there the death in there? Yeah. They had a few people that graduated in 81, they put their names in there. Okay. And I, I said, I hope I, I hope I live a little bit longer if they don't put my <laughs> name in there. Oh, yes. Well, I tell you, I hate to say so long, but we are out of time this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Phillips. Have a good day, Mr. Phillips. And that's going to do it for our show today. Our mayor, Joe Carr, with us this morning. Joe, thanks for joining us. As always, Bart, thank you. I enjoy it. You have a blessed day. And uh, keep your hands out of the uh, beehives. (laughs) Stay with us.